MC Lobshire, the host of the Cash Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cash flow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cash flow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobs here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to discuss and talk about, yes, a big surprise, the 401k. I'm joined in today's episode by the father and the creator of the 401k, Ted Benner. Ted Benner was working for an insurance firm outside Philadelphia about 40 years ago when he figured out how to use an obscure provision of the 1978 tax law, Section 401k, and turned it into an employee retirement account for contributions from both employees and employers. He designed it as a fringe benefit for banks that wanted to save taxes when they transferred bonuses to employees. In years since, however, it's grown into much, much more, and it's now the dominant way that Americans save for retirement, helping them collectively to amass trillions. Today, he's proud that his invention has helped millions of people prepare for retirement, but the uh, plain-spoken fellow Pennsylvanian now shares that the accounts have a really, really ugly side to it as well, primarily that they have made mutual fund companies and investment managers extremely rich off the fees that uh, just grew, grew way too high. So he is now on a crusade to design simpler plans with lower fees that put money in the pockets of the future retirees, not just the money managers and financial uh, institutions. Ted is commonly referred to as the father of the 401k because he created and gained IRS approval of the first 401k uh, savings plan. He has received many citations for his accomplishments, including the 2001 National Jefferson Award recipient for greatest public service by private citizen, 2001 player of the year selected by defined contribution news, uh, one of eight individuals selected by Money Magazine for its special 20th anniversary issue Hall of Fame, selected by Business Insurance as one of the four people of the century, and one of 10 selected by Mutual Fund Market News for its special 10th anniversary issue Legends in Our Own Time and Lifetime Achievement Award by Defined Contribution News in 2008. Five, Ted Benner will share why the 401k was never really intended to fund a full retirement for people, but was only one component to it, and that the current form and structure of the 401k needs a complete 
makeover. Ted is also, of course, a business owner and real estate investor, two vehicles in which he creates and receives income from. Now, as you know, I'm so not a proponent, a proponent of the 401k. In fact, I'm a very, very big critic of the 401k. Uh, I don't regard it as a savings vehicle. It's actually an investment vehicle. If you look at the definition of savings and investing, uh, you don't have any control over your own money. I've uh, also referred to it as, as putting your money basically in a straitjacket. It's very high in fees, as Ted has pointed out, and it defers taxes 30 to 40 years into the future. And defers really just means postpone, right? But also, as you know, as listeners of the Cashflow Ninja, this is not an echo chamber just of ideas and investments that I support. But this is a platform to share many different ideas and investments to help educate my audience. So I really enjoyed my conversation with Ted Benner. He brings a great perspective to this vehicle and he shares a wealth of knowledge and also his experience. Are you an investor looking for passive cash flow but don't have the time to explore your options? Discover Real Estate. It's the best option for passive income that savvy investors have been turning to for years to generate income and build wealth. But the reality is real estate investing takes expertise, market knowledge, and time. So what do you do if you don't have the time or market knowledge? Discover how many business investors have found a way to generate cash flow from real estate investing. Their secret? They partner with proven private real estate investment funds. Four Peaks Capital Partners have created a system that allows accredited investors the opportunity to invest in undervalued assets to generate passive income and capital gains. Invest with the cash flow experts and sit back while Four Peaks does all the work. Call Four Peaks Capital Partners at 877-5-INCOME. That's 877-5-INCOME or go to privateincomeinvesting.com. An offer to buy or sell securities is only made by a private placement memorandum. Prospective investors must read the PPM in its entirety before making an investment decision. Ted, welcome to the show. Thank you, MC. It's a uh, pleasure being with you today. Thanks for the uh, invitation. Yeah, great. Great to have you on. Um, now, before we get started, could you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Yeah, well, first, I uh, grew up on a dairy farm in South Central uh, Pennsylvania, and I uh, migrated there. My wife and I uh, got married at a young age. We settled in Philadelphia, and as many well-planned careers go, uh, MC, I uh, answered an ad in the newspaper for a math clerk, and that was my strong area. The... Um, that happened to be for a uh, you know, home office of uh, then Provident Mutual Life Insurance Company in uh, Philadelphia, and it was in their uh, pension area. And, uh, you know, that's what got me started into, uh, you know, the retirement field. And I, uh, you know, started as an actuarial grunt there and uh, then moved to plan administration and left from there and joined two guys up in uh, Newtown, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia suburbs. We uh, started a uh, consulting business from uh, scratch, uh, built it to about uh, 250 people, and uh, you know, sold it in 1990. Wow. So very interesting that in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, because uh, and especially Newtown, because that's that's where I reside. So, <laughs> so in a pre-conversation, this this was quite uh, 
this was quite funny because, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we, I've met so many people and have uh, quite a number of folks on my show to hear and, and interview someone actually from uh, Newtown, Pennsylvania is quite amazing. This is only the second time. So, and we have a very, very big world out there. So, you've touched on a couple of things here. Um, and of course, the, the, the big topic is that we wanted to get in today is, is, is 401ks, obviously being one of the discoverers of this. What was the, the process like? What were some of the things that played into that? And how did you come across this? Um, and uh, to how did you come across something that you saw? And how did you come up with, come up with this concept? MC, there's myth and reality. The uh, myth, which has been uh, appeared in some pub publications, certainly not as a quote for me, by the way, was that I was uh, quietly reading the Internal Revenue Code and found this buried little paragraph. And uh, that definitely is a myth. <clears throat> you know, the, the reality is this little section of the IRS code was added uh, via legislation 40 years ago in the fall of 1987. And uh, it was only a page and a half long. And one of the most interesting things about this uh, MC is that politically is a fluke. It was, uh, you know, never intended to be, uh, you know, the mainstream of saving for retirement in America as it is today. And, you know, that history is on my website and, you know, it's all also in the new book I have coming out right now. But excuse me, what I was involved in doing was utilizing this section of the code to come up with a design that was totally different than what was intended. And the creative pieces I brought to it was adding a matching employer contribution and employee pre-tax contributions. And, um, you know, linking those to a section that uh, you know, there wasn't, wasn't anything there saying thou shalt not. So I chose to take the more aggressive interpretation. And, you know, ultimately uh, that design was supported by, uh, you know, Treasury when they issued regulations. Very, very interesting. Now, for listeners listening out there, 1974 was ERISA was enacted. What's it, 1978, you had the tax reform, and you mentioned 1987. So what was the process like? Did you have to go and talk to, obviously, the government folks in Treasury um, of, of what you were planning to do? What, what was the process in, in, in getting this through and setting it up? Because as you mentioned, you saw you took an aggressive stance, and then the regulations came out. What, what happened around this in, uh, within this entire process? Uh, th 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 there's a lot. <laughs> so let me just maybe take a few uh, key points. You know, the first thing was that when I presented this idea to Ed Johnson, who was my senior partner, his uh, immediate reaction was, well, if this is legal, why haven't the top tax attorneys and the big consulting firms come up with it? And the only answer I could give him was, hey, I, I don't know. <laughs> so being a, uh, you know, a, cautious businessman. He uh, suggested we get some legal support for it. And so we went to one of the major Philadelphia law firms and uh, you know, got an affirmation that, uh, you know, this uh, definitely had possibilities. 
Then uh, we had an interesting thing happen. Uh, Ronald Reagan got elected as president and one of his cabinet members was a client of ours. So we went to Washington and met with him and he directed us over to the treasury department. Uh, you know, the, um, the cabinet member was Drew Lewis. He happened to be uh, secretary of transportation. And uh, so we got over to the treasury folks and you know, during that time, I had the opportunity to talk with a guy who was writing regulations. And, uh, you know, I couldn't get any, uh, you know, any imp input from him as to what the regulations may include. But he, uh, he understood what we were doing and the approach we were taking. And I didn't have... Uh, much reservation about the matching employer contribution being a problem because uh, MC, there were, there were already what were known as thrift and savings plans, which most of the major companies in the country had in place. And uh, so there was that precedent. The uh, piece that was uh, more difficult was the ability for employees to do pre-tax contributions. And the legal process for that's a kind of strange one. And you actually see it written up in some of the early articles about 401k. They said, how would you like to take a salary reduction? Because when you sign up for 401k, that's legally what you actually do is you authorize your employer to reduce your salary and to make that contribution to the plan as an employer contribution. And, uh, you, you know, the uh, we had some good, had some good dialogue with uh, the guy doing the rakes about that. And, you know, he, uh, he understood the issues, but, you know, Hey, until the uh, regs uh, came out and proposed uh, for him six months or so uh, later, uh, MC, you know, we, uh, we had to anxiously wait, you know, to see uh, how they were going to react. It's quite, it's quite remarkable. And I think uh, a good, uh, a good topic for us to, to look at too, just before we dive into more of this is also just to maybe touch on the def defined benefits uh, system and plan versus a defined contribution plan, which this, this has kind of changed out to, because at that stage you had the defined benefits uh, plans available was a lot of the cracks appearing in especially the corporate pensions on the wall that a lot of people uh, move to this what, what 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 are some of the reasons that you that you've identified or that you can speculate on that this was uh, this took off and just uh, became this <laughs> this behemoth and beast uh, to what it's grown into I, I've often been asked whether I expected it to uh, you know, be as large as, as it is and yeah I, I knew right away um, it was going to be a big thing. And the, the first reason is the fact that most of the Fortune 500 companies had in addition to their traditional pension plans, what were known as thrift and savings plans. Th those plans have been in existence for many years. And the way they work is employees put their money in after tax, they got a matching contribution. And, uh, you know, I, I knew when we got the attention of senior executives to make them uh, aware of the fact that there's a possibility of you know putting the twenty or thirty thousand dollars a year they were putting in after tax to do that pre-tax that 
it would certainly give a high level of interest. And, uh, you know, that's clearly what happened. So, you know, the first big blush uh, MC was large employers converting or adding that additional feature to plans that, are, that were already existent. Now, another huge segment of the market, you know, is that there are over half, uh, 500,000 401ks. And as we know, you know, there are only 100 Fortune 500 companies, uh, or, you know, 500. Uh, and, uh, you know, so most of the plans out there uh, cover small businesses. Over, over 90% of them have less than 100 participants. And, you know, in those instances, this was an opportunity for them, you know, to provide a meaningful retirement plan. And uh, most of them never had or never would have had uh, traditional pension plans. Interesting. Now, what were some of the benefits already uh, for for the 401k when when this was established enough, what were some of the things that you that that you that you spoke about and the ben- benefits that you have identified for this? The, the number one benefit actually is the uh, fact that it converts spenders from savers. You know, the, the very few of us, including me, you know, when I was younger, who who are able to save paycheck by paycheck, you know, six percent or more of our pay and keep our grubby hands off of it and not use it for other reasons. And so the fact that, you know, it takes place uh, semi-automatically and as painfully as possible off the top of your paycheck is what has helped millions of employees accumulate, you know, between 10 and $15 trillion in these plans. You know, the employer matching contribution is certainly a, a very key feature and, uh, you know, employees who have that opportunity available and don't take maximum uh, advantage of it, uh, you know, they're just losing out. And, uh, you know, and then the tax break, you know, is the third benefit. Uh, you know, you uh, you get a tax break from the government to help you save for retirement. And, you know, for lower wage earners, by the way, there's actually a, a you know, tax credit, uh, which doesn't get a lot of publicity, but you, know, you can actually get a credit from the government for uh, saving in these plans if you're a lower wage earner. Right. I think one of the things, and uh, yeah, obviously full disclosure, we are not very big fans of it. And we, we, we generate wealth in different ways through, through cash flow investments, which I know you do as well uh, through other vehicles, such as, uh, such as real estate. But one of the things that I will definitely say and agree with you on that it does bring in that that saving habit, right? The habit of not just spending everything that comes into into your personal economy, and especially for folks that are, um, yeah, the the have that spender mentality. It's kind of for savings, which that is that is definitely a a benefit of that. You've mentioned that it's a good um, it's a good vehicle for middle income Amer- uh, Americans, but the i would say high income earners don't really benefit as much from this as uh, as the middle income earners and as you now mentioned even the lower income earners can you elaborate on that yeah i mean uh, certainly the high wage earners and you know senior executives and big companies i mean uh, you know the amount they uh, can put into uh, 401k's is pretty meaningless uh, you know when you when you're dealing with senior execs in major companies they're Primary wealth accumulation is 
uh, through through uh, you know qualified stock options and getting uh, you know big payoffs that way, and then also through um, you know various non-qualified retirement uh, plans that uh, companies set up for uh, senior execs. I mean, my my old company uh, you know did a ton of that uh, you know business back in the day, and uh, so uh, you know four hundred one k just doesn't give them enough. And then picking up on something you you you, you commented on. Uh, Hey, uh, MC, 401k was never uh, by any means intended to uh, provide uh, sufficient uh, level of retirement income. I mean, as I mentioned, you know, it's kind of a fluke thing. And uh, so, you know, all this agonizing over, you know, are you going to have enough to retire? Uh, Definitely most people need to look at alternatives and, uh, you know, investment real estate certainly is uh, one and, you know, other uh, ways of generating streams of income. This is coming from the father of the 401k. So it's very, very powerful that, that you mentioned that because that's one of the things that, that, uh, that we've discussed and, and shared as well, that this was never designed because I've read a lot of this, the, the articles that you've written on this too and uh, some of the interviews that you've done uh, in other media p- publications that you've come out and said like, listen, this was not <laughs> the end all and be all that it's perpetrated to be, you know, or, or, or made to be, this was just one supplemental way to, to have savings, have an employer match, uh, which you've mentioned was also actually, um, which resulted in a salary reduction, but you do get a savings in there. Um, and then there's other ways to add on to this. The one thing that I want to touch on is it looks like um, the intent of it too, again, when you started was completely different to what it grew into with right now, because I think, um, someone else grabbed a hole of the wheel <laughs> of the, of this vehicle. And, um, uh, that ties into kind of the, the, the wall street mentality and the fees that are involved with this. And I know that you've spoken to this, uh, and about this as well, that it's just, uh, that it's just, uh, uh, you know, it's quite insane. The amount of fees that this, this is charged, um, uh, a lot of companies and so forth. Any comments on that? Yeah, definitely. The uh, fees in many instances are, uh, you know, they're quite excessive. Um, you know, there are responsible employers who uh, run their uh, plans and, you know, uh, do an excellent job of uh, providing lower cost alternatives. But, uh, you know, particularly in the smaller market, uh, too often, even the owners uh, are pretty clueless about the amount of fees that they're paying and the alternatives that are available. And, and that, you know, I, I just don't get it. And see, I mean, I know that the primary reason it happens is they're usually dealing with someone that they've had a personal business relationship with that they trust and they pretty much blindly, you know, buy the product that they have. And, uh, you know, the unfortunate thing about that is, you know, the owner and other senior people are the ones who have the biggest balance in these plans. So they're the ones who are taking the biggest hit on the excessive fees and that expense is being paid from their tax deferred retirement accounts. It would uh, be a heck of a lot more efficient for, you know, the business to pay, you know, these non-direct investment fees, you're use lower cost investments and the business get a tax deduction, you know, for those expenses. 
And the other thing that, that just doing a little bit of research in it too, initially the plan was pretty, pretty simple, right? It's, it's something that you can explain very easily. The options and selections was, uh, uh, was very limited. I think there was, uh, you know, you can elaborate more on that, but it was very, very simplistic is, is I guess what I'm trying to communicate. It didn't turn into this Rolodex of, uh, of product peddling uh, that we see today. Here's how simple it was. You, you had five possible selections in the early plans because there, there were only two options and you split your money among them in 25% multiples. So there were only five possibilities. You know, 100, 0, 75, 25, 50, 50, 75, 25. And uh, so it uh, it took less probably about a minute for me to explain the investments to participants. You know, I would uh, say, hey, look, you know, you have a guaranteed fund which existed in that day, and those typically you know were paying a guaranteed five six percent uh, return, and then you had some type of equity fund. And uh, the way I would explain it is, if if you put your money in the fixed fund, you'll get your money back plus something. You know, if you put it in the equity fund, you might get more, you might get less, you know, it was that simple. You're listening to Ted Benner on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back afterward from our sponsors. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies will not only disrupt money, but every industry on the planet. These new innovations and technologies will affect every area of your life in the future. The cryptocurrency course teaches you everything that you need to know about getting started and profiting with cryptocurrencies and includes expert training from the top crypto experts in the world. You'll learn how to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies, how to safely store your crypto, how to become a sound investor, even if you're just a beginner, and how to apply blockchain technology to your business. You can watch a free crypto masterclass and grab the crypto course at cashflowninja.com forward slash crypto course. You're listening to Ted Benner on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, and I'm back to our interview. It's quite remarkable, and I just uh, th- see what's out there, <laughs> what's out there right now. Oh my! From target dated funds, where they can, you know, supposedly ac- accurately predict what you're going to need at what stage and allocate portfolios a certain way. It has really turned uh, in, uh, into this uh, this behemoth, um, which uh, which w- when Wall Street took 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 reins of this. Um, let's talk a little bit about the the, the, the tax environment too, because the fees, obviously, you know, we know uh, that that's quite remo- crazy. And when it comes to advisors and to and to um, folks that 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 help you, Ted, I mean, the philosophy that 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 I have too is 
nobody in, in this world would mind paying for value too, right? If somebody provides a value of a service of it, then of course, and you want, you want to have the best advisors. But it's, it's almost like now that, um, you know, it's the same thing being sold over and over again, just reposition and remarket a little bit differently. And there's not really any value uh, uh, transferred from a different person to a different person within the, within, within the product. What, uh, what would be some of your comments on that? Well, I, I agree completely with you, and uh, you know I, I've detailed in the uh, you know the book um, that the the history of the fees and uh, how we got to where we are, and the, uh, the picture's not pretty uh, by any means. And uh, you know um, the financial community has taken the opportunity at different uh, times along the way uh, to. Uh, capitalize on what was to their advantage rather than participants' advantages. And, you know, that has resulted in layering fees on top of fees without adding any real value along the way. And, you know, probably the best way I can kind of uh, demonstrate uh, maybe the inefficiency of this is there are over 500,000 plans and most of them have a financial advisor that helps them build a fund menu, you know, plan by plan. And those menus look pretty much the same as you know. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, re-tweaking, re, re, uh, you know, there's not any real creativity in them. But, you know, each time that happens, the advisors are being paid as if they're doing some original piece of work. You know, it's very inefficient and uh, unnecessarily expensive. Absolutely. And um, the tax environment too at that stage, right, where if we look at the, uh, well, if we just look at the balance sheet of the U.S. government when these plans were created, at that stage too, uh, from a fiscal standpoint, <laughs> it wasn't quite the environment that we are in today. So I can clearly see the the argument for then in the 80s when you're looking at it and saying, listen, if we postpone taxes, you know, you put your money into this account, it's growing tax-free, and then when it comes out, you know, most likely would be in a lower or about the same, you know, tax bracket. But the environment that we operate in today is not quite the same as, as we did in the 80s, looking at the 20, just the $21 trillion in debt the U.S. government is. That is uh, definitely a true statement. And you give a little historical perspective. Tax Reform Act in 19... Uh, uh, get my year right, uh, 85, I guess it was, uh, Reagan, uh, Reagan's tax reform. The first version of that would have totally eliminated 401ks. And uh, so we had a major battle, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, keep it alive. And, uh, but what uh, did happen was the maximum contribution got reduced from 30,000 a year to 7,500. Now it's, you know, it's creeped back up to somewhere around $18,000, you know, currently plus a, uh, an additional amount if you're over, uh, you know, age 50. Um, so, yeah, the, these kind of things always uh, come into the spotlight when you talk tax reform. And, uh, you know, they, uh, it, it did during uh, the current administration, uh, you know, tax reform, I guess uh, a year, about a year ago, uh, 
the idea of Roth sizing all 401k was getting some attention. That let's just uh, eliminate the pre-tax and have it all you know become Roth uh, type contributions. And you know, there's a pretty fast hard pushback on that, and uh, so that quieted down pretty quickly. But hey, any any time. I, I mean, I, I spent quite a bit of time. Uh, you know, uh, around Washington and any time they get into uh, some serious discussion on how do we narrow this gap, uh, the issue of, well, where can we find money without being a tax increase comes to the table. But I'll, I'll be real frank with you now. <laughs> the biggest decision change I see now versus back when 401k started is there is no fiscal responsibility in Washington now. <laughs> None. <laughs> right. Right. What is it? A trillion dollar budget deficits that we're looking at. And I actually am doing some uh, research for a project I'm working on. And I looked at the online at usdebtclock.org. And I almost got a heart attack when I saw all of the, uh, the entitlements and the unfunded liabilities. And I mean, it's, it's, this is, Real, real serious stuff from a tax perspective. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, it's 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 all about perspective and the time that you operate in. And as I mentioned, when it comes to taxes, I could clearly see the argument clearly at that stage. Who would have thought? Just like maybe uh, how you thought that this would grow into this 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 beast that it did the four hundred one k that the fiscal irresponsibility. Uh, through the years, now thirty years later, we would be in the situation that we're in. So it's uh, it's quite remarkable. The other thing I wanted to touch on quick is you had mentioned that we should just blow up the current format and way, shape, and form that four hundred one ks are currently in the current structure and restart and restructure. Uh, restarting and restructure. What are the things that you would change on it, and how do you see something like that actually? efficiently serving the purpose that you want crafted it to to, uh, to serve for people? When I made that comment, I was actually talking about the investment structure, not 401k completely, that uh, either through misunderstanding or otherwise uh, played out as uh, blowing up the whole thing. And, you know, that, uh, that writer of that article it's sensational. It's sensational, right? It sells. It, it sells, went viral. It got a lot of attention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's sensational. So that somebody's going to click on that, saying, you know, Ted Benov, father of four hundred one k, said says blows it up. Yeah. So really, what I was talking about was what we uh, discussed earlier that the investment side of it had just gotten absolutely completely out of control, too complex and expensive and that there is an alternative available today you know if we were starting from scratch and you you mentioned earlier target uh maturity funds or those and you know other ways of providing portfolios that are pre-packaged or mixed for participants that don't require them to have to know about large cap small cap value international etc etc that you know, there's a uh, prepackaged solution for them that potentially is viable. And so, if truly before I'd done that interview, I, uh, I yeah, I'd taken a plan with about 100 million in assets, 
and eliminated the menu that they had in place. And we put everybody into index target maturity funds. You know, a total plan cost of uh, around 0.20%. It, you know, it's now down to about 0.15. Um, can't get much lower than that. And when you do that, you know, about 90% of the participants stay with that pre-designed allocation model. Now, the plan also gave the participants who wanted to continue to make their own decisions the opportunity to do so by giving them a totally open mutual fund window where they had thousands of possibilities that, you know, they could build it on their own if they wanted to. But, you know, most participants uh, prefer the easier solution. Uh, absolutely. Now, we've touched on and you've mentioned how this was never designed to fully take care of everyone for your entire retirement. Uh, and you've personally invested in real estate and, and, and commercial real estate and so, and so forth. Uh, some of the wealth, cre- and of course, you have your own business. So if we just look at the, uh, the cash flow quadrant, as Robert K. Saki talks about, there's a lot on the right-hand side as a business owner and investor that you've personally doing too. What are some of the other philosophical approaches and stuff that you've done within your own life uh, to create wealth, Ted? Uh, one of them I recommend any uh, person who is nearing retirement is to, you know, begin seriously thinking about that and, you know, what it's going to look like. And uh, clearly one of the things to take into consideration is, is where you're going to live. Now, in our situation, we uh, you know, we did that in our uh, late fifties, uh, and uh, you know we were we were in Bucks County, you know, Hey Newtown, when they were going to build uh, seventy-five to eighty million dollars of new schools. <laughs> and we already had high taxes, <laughs> and uh, you know none of our children had settled there, so uh, we decided it was time good time to kind of rethink, you know, why why stay in this higher cost living area. And uh, so we decided to, uh, you know, migrate to uh, your north central PA. We, you know, we came from the country begin to begin with. So we uh, basically, uh, you know, returned to the country, uh, you know, close enough to, uh, you know, the major centers. And, uh, you, you know, there, uh, there's a big uh, rollback in living costs. You know, when, when you do that, we, uh, you know, we downsized as far as our housing. Uh, you know, when we made that move. So, you know, that's uh, one thing to think about. Uh, you know, hey, additional income and, and income streams, one thing, the other is examine the expense side of it. And, you know, do you need to stay if you're in a high, higher cost area? Uh, you know, maybe think about uh, relocating, and, but in addition, uh, perhaps downsizing, uh, and, you know, and doing other things on the expense side. Yeah, it's very important to, as you mentioned too, to be aware and cognizant of the changing environment, especially when it comes uh, to taxes and being mobile enough to make decisions in a rapidly changing uh, environment, just not locally, but regionally and also also globally. One of the things that I've observed from wealthy and successful folks is that they're always studying. They're always learning new, new things. What are you currently studying, uh, Ted? And what, what are you currently learning? And what are some of the things that, uh, that you're working on that excites you? 
uh, well, getting this uh, book uh, out in the market, uh, which will happen within the next week or two, obviously has been it's been a couple year pro- process off and on. I uh, drafted it a couple years ago. I kind of felt compelled to do that, and then left it sit. And then uh, you know, a few months ago, probably close to six now, I felt uh, the urge to get back in and, you know, and revisit and uh, as I was doing that, uh, you know, I realized that it would be appropriate to change the title from the original working title I had, which was revisiting uh, a book I had done earlier, uh, Escaping the Coming Retirement Crisis, revisited, changing the title in uh, the direction of it a bit to 401k 40 years later. So that's been one thing. Uh, you know, another one that you know, we haven't discussed at all is I uh, put together a guide and, uh, you know, uh, got it out in the market last fall, RC, that is an effort to address the segment of the market, which is quite large in the U.S., of employees who do not have any retirement coverage. Many of them work for small businesses. And Clearly, a problem for small businesses are 401k are too complex, too costly, and they have too much liability exposure. So what I've done in the guide, which I've titled Set Up Your Own 401k with a subtitle of and save a lot of money, is provided three designs that enable small employers to offer a program that will duplicate pretty much the benefits of 401k, including a matching employer contribution, do it on their own if they want to without the cost complexity or liability exposure. So those are a couple of things. And then around that, you know, there, there are a lot of small businesses who are sold 401ks when clearly there are better alternatives for them if they're going to have a retirement plan. And so in addition to the guide, we're uh, you're pr- providing consulting services for small businesses who want, want to explore alternatives, uh, you know, to see what type of plan is right, and uh, we'll help them do that for, uh, for a pretty modest fee. And I still do speaking engagements, by the way, anytime somebody wants to uh, engage me to do that. Great, great. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? My uh, number one uh, would be my faith. Uh, you know, it's uh, certainly the important, uh, most important part of my life. And, uh, uh, y- y- you know, I've uh, been contacted at different times by somebody who says, hey, I want to come in and I want to visit with you. And one of them was a uh, young gentleman who was interviewing folks who had achieved success and he was trying to find out what made him tick. <laughs> And I told him, I said, well, hey, I'll be glad to uh, sit down and you know, do an interview with you. But I want to tell you up front that it isn't money. So, you know, uh, you need to know that. He, oh, no, no. You know, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to find out, you know, what motivates people. 
I um, received a uh, an award that I went to New York uh, City for a um, present luncheon presentation a couple months ago. Uh, Investment News honored me with a um, an Innovators uh, Award 2017. And I was asked, you know, to give uh, explain where my innovation comes from, and I. Um, my answer was from prayer, from my uh, you know God-given analytical ability and, and my uh, mathematical training. So you know those were the uh, you know the key things. And then you know next to that, uh, MC is family. You know, I uh, have a uh, great wife. We've been together for uh, 57 years. Uh, you know four four great children, spouse, their spouses, and nine uh, super grandchildren. So. Yeah, those those are the babies. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. How can my listeners uh, learn more about you? And you've mentioned a couple of projects and books. How can they stay informed uh, of launches and releases and of all of the projects that you're involved with? The uh, primary way uh, would be uh, my website, which is www.bena401k. Here, the book uh, will be highlighted on there when it. Uh, you know, it goes to market. It should be up on Amazon within the uh, next couple of weeks. It's, uh, again, it's titled uh, 401k 40 years later. And then the, the guide is offered on the website, you know, for small employers. Great, great. Ted, well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. And uh, yeah, just sharing a lot around uh uh, this, uh, the 401k that everybody knows about, it's almost a household name, like, <laughs> like Kleenex, you know, these days in WD 40, appreciate you coming on. Glad to be with you again, MC. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you for all your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com or text CashflowNinja to 44. I'm also posting daily videos on Facebook and YouTube and will live stream weekly starting May 2018. To make sure you don't miss any of the live streams, please like and subscribe to my Facebook and YouTube platforms. I'm also dropping content on Instagram daily. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to get in on the action. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. That's our show for today. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.
This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.